Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 133 Damn. of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with, going to shake it up a little bit this time, Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody? And, of course, my brother Aaron is here. Hello, hello, hello. And this week, we got two words for you. Suck it. It's We're going to be discussing the Attitude Era, the good and the bad of the WWF Attitude Era this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. When I'm formulating my thoughts, I kept trying to stick to WWF, not going to WCW, because we're not talking about the Monday Night Wars. But WCW right. will probably come up a little bit, because you oh, know Vince sure. Rousseau is going to come up, et cetera, et cetera. I have one WCW. And I know Aaron had... Uh, Posted in our Facebook group for um, some f- listeners to give their suggestions. We'll go through those as well. Uh, before we start the show this week, I want to thank everyone that is so far listening to WrestleNet Radio. Uh, listenership is going much better than I thought it would for the first few weeks. So keep getting the word out, sharing the page. People are sharing the page. People are sharing the station. I'm really excited about this wrestling talk the 24-7. The We Can't Wrestle Net. <laughs> yes, the We Can't Wrestle and, Network. And if any Apple executives are listening to this, yeah, God can you it. push the damn app through? <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Smith. A, I'm gonna send another nasty gram this week to Apple. You can download the WrestleNet Radio app in the Google Play Store. Yes. If you do have an Apple phone, though, there is a link on the page, and I put it in our Facebook group that you can actually click that link, open it in your Safari, and then mark that as a bookmark. And I guess for right now, that'll have to act as your app. But Archie's show debuted this week. If you smell what the Arch is cooking. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, did very I, well. Well, thank you for that. I, I was a little nervous, but I I tried to just make it more fun and off the cuff as opposed to just being regulated. And, hey, you know, I hey. had notes, but I didn't really stick to all of them. Well, and not to mention, you're like Joey Styles, man. You did it solo. It's hard to go solo sometimes. It, it you is. Know, it is. But without I, being able to feed off of someone else. I, Aaron and I were talking about possibly doing a show together about Smoky Mountain. And I'm interested to do that. But when it comes to like newer product, and this is not to be selfish or anything, I like to be a little bit more solo so that I could just get my points out. Because when I'm with one of you guys, we go four hours and then it's like, okay, now what? You yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I didn't want my debut show to be, oh, 
oh, wow, Archie's still going on hour three? What, what's you, going on here? Well, then, and you're like, oh, my God, would Nate shut up about Omega for Christ's no, sake? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, Omega shit to bed this week. That promo was horrible. Oh, it was awful. Well, I, not that I expected any less when I no, had Omega sounded- and Orange Cassidy on the same okay. screen at the same time. Uh, this is, I mean, this. no disrespect to Jake Roberts, but... Kenny Omega sound more coked out than Jake Roberts ever did this past week on Dynamite. <laughs> he sounded like he was high drunk and didn't know what the hell he was supposed to be talking about. And all you see is Tony Giovanni going, okay, come on, let's hurry it up. Let's come on, guys. Come move on, guys. it along. Move it along, you little doggy. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I have a surprise for you guys. Before we start the Attitude Era talk. Oh. I have been trying to work. I've been thinking about working, or not thinking about, but. Every time I'm going to work this into the show, something happens, I forget about it, whatever. For Christmas this past year, my daughter bought me for Christmas because she knows I like collecting wrestling things, no matter how silly it is or whatever, I want it. She bought me the official WWE cookbook for Christmas, all right? My children said they want to get me that for Father's Day. I said, no, please don't do that. <laughs> what I want to do right now is I want to, because some of these recipes or some of these dish names are mm-hmm. punny, P-U-N-N-Y, and I think you guys might get a kick out of some of them, so Let's I'm going to go I'm gonna go through the cookbook here and read you some of these. I think, I think some of them are going to pop you. Okay. <laughs> are you ready, Aaron? Sure. This is fun. All right. You got you'll have a you'll have a wrestler if you can't see it folks and but you'll have like a wrestler and there's a theme, you know, this wrist wrestler has a dish named after him or whatever. So in the breakfast, we have the big boss ham steak donuts. Mm. Bu- that- how about how about Bakwishta? Akish Bakishta? Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> Degeneration eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm gonna keep yeah. going. <laughs> uh, how about biscuits and gravy, boy Smith? <laughs> All right, that is the bad. That that I like. That was good. <laughs> the first uh, two were really bad, but that oh, one yeah. was good. Is there an Owen tart? I don't know. I haven't got an that Owen far yet. Owen tart. Oh my god. Let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm just. Uh, let's see here. Salsa Banks. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to put some sound effects in this. Like, womp, womp, that, womp, that womp. one was a little racist because she's Spanish. I think she's half Spanish, so that's kind of bad. <laughs> Ayatollah of Capicola Melt for oh, Chris God. Jericho. <sighs> How about Soup Lex City? How about you keep going? <laughs> yeah, how about keep going? <laughs> Uh, Prawn Michaels. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to leave the silence in. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> hey, Stone Cold has some oh hell yams for you. Let me see here. Randy Cornton. Michael Coleslaw. Oh, God. Sergeant Slaughter, S-L-A-W-T-E-R. Sergeant Slaughter. So there's two types of slaw and coleslaw? In yes, there? Two, kind, two types of slaw. Andre the Gyro. That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Braun Stroganoff. Okay. Let's see here. Jerry the King Crab Lawler. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the nah. 
Uh, I swear there are some other funny ones in here. Let's see. Rikishi pork buns. That's not funny. Chicken rock pie. Brutus the barber beefcakes. Yes, they're in here. There are Brutus the barber. Well, I know one thing Aaron will be coming over for dinner if you're cooking. Yes. Let me see. Still going through here. Sorry. I didn't prepare. I didn't do any bookmarks in the. I was uh, expecting like a Godfather and Hope cakes or something, you know, something like. <laughs> yeah, that. no, they don't. They don't touch on the Attitude Era much in this. This is uh, well, at least for I the family. Truff, Truffle H, Ric Flair's uh, Whoopie Pie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about Hulk Hogan's? I can't believe it's not brother. Oh, I can't believe it's not brother. Yeah, brother. <laughs> How about some for a beverage? Some coffee, Kingston, or ginger Mahal. I, I like both. Okay. <laughs> I think that's all we got. All right. I had to go through some of them. I'm gonna text my wife tomorrow morning at like six thirty a.m. Honey, can I get some coffee, Kingston? Some coffee. <laughs> She'll be like, you motherfucker. No. So I, I told my daughter at some point the the cookbook of the published shows. I kept my promise as a father. Why no like that, Hercule? Why no like Hercule? Hercule peas. <laughs> Hercule peas. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a mission we could go on. We could come up with five of our own recipes I like that. for the next show. I like that because we can be offensive with ours. <laughs> WWE had to play it safe. Well, this the Sasha Banks one was pretty, uh, pretty uh, offensive to me. <laughs> That was one of the ones I actually found amusing. That degeneration eggs. I don't know why that yeah. got me. It's so simple, but it's funny. <laughs> All right, guys, we've done the we've done the uh, haphazard punny humor there. Let's get into the WWF. How about a how about a how about a Barry when like a Windham. Yeah, like a glazed ham with Barry Windham's name. A Barry Windham, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a Paul Barry pie. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. <laughs> Bruno oh, San Martino and meatballs. <laughs> and not gay Bruno though. Yeah, gay but, Bruno uh, likes meatballs. Not gay Bruno. <laughs> let's not let's not go back into that debauchery. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that shit I, went off the rails. I feel bad because I'm the one that started it, and then it went from there, and then Chad just took it and ran with it. When Ch- when Chad, I, I think you were, I think you were gone by the time we came up with that one. With the the one, um, I think Chad came up with it, but Chad was like, after he listened to the episode, he said, "Barry Von Eric is gold," and I don't even remember the connotation of Barry Von Eric, but <laughs> we were pretty we were pretty bombed by the end of that. What about episode. Mr. T Bone, Mr. T Bone, <laughs> and a side of he loves his mama fries. <laughs> No, uh, that night that, we recorded, I uh, my sinuses were killing me, and I took a Claritin, and Nate, about 20 minutes later, I was in space. I was just like, woo. You should have joined us, because we were all yeah. in space by the time oh, the show I'm, ended. I'm sure it would have been funny, but like I couldn't move. I don't know why Claritin <laughs> does that to me. It makes me feel like I took like an Oxycontin or something. <laughs> Anybody but, that, hasn't, that hasn't listened to episode 132, go back and listen to it, just to listen to the story. That Chad tells about how King Kong Bundy broke his two his uh, futon. Wow! 
King okay. Kong Bundy broke his stack. Why do I want to keep saying Tufan? What the fuck is a Tufan, Nate? Anyway, Futon. King Kong Bundy broke Chad's Futon. All right. So Wait a the, minute, Nate. I got one. Oh. Rakishi Fondue. <laughs> well, I got one. I got one. Go ahead. <laughs> Meat. <laughs> Meat. <laughs> oh shit! <clears throat> All right. <laughs> the the uh, the the cookbook thing bombed as a beginning, but they can't all be a hundred percent. Hey, it works for me. <laughs> I like that we get to make up our own. Talking about the Attitude Era here. When do you guys say the Attitude Era started? Because if you look, a lot of people yeah, think. Now, the when did it officially? Era... When did it officially start? No, 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 no. Start in your mind. They started. They they officially kind of started it after WrestleMania 14. But in your mind, where did the Attitude Era start? Can I say mine first? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, the Attitude Era started the night that Bret Hart pushed Vince McMahon on his ass. Yeah. Yeah. See? I mean, that's that's you know I don't. That's bullshit. Mine. Yeah, that shit never fucking happened before that. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's a good point. Um, I, I, I somewhat, somewhat agree with Aaron, but I guess it, it, you mentioned WrestleMania 14 and whatnot. I would say the night that Austin passed out to the sharpshooter with all the blood on his face and he just mm-hmm. wouldn't quit was a, a sign of change because they weren't re- really letting a lot of blood fly back then. Right. You, know, you could bleed, but they weren't letting a crimson mask get all, get all over, and Austin had a crimson mask. So that was Vince's way of telling the fans at home, we're going the whole way with it. For me, the Attitude Era started in late August of 1995. That when, diesel? No, that's not the diesel. When, when we saw the first vignette for Gold Dust. Yeah. To me, to me, that was kind of the... I know that isn't what they'd say. I know that's not what most people would say. But to me, that was the first time that Vince McMahon said, uh, "Fuck it, let's do something a little edgy. Yeah, <laughs> we got to do, yeah. we got to do something." You know, not that an androgynous character had never been around before. You had you had uh, uh, Adrian Street and like Adonis. that, yeah. And but um, that pushing the envelope like that Goldust character did. In, well, that, yeah, I mean, like, during the promos, when he was actually just, you know, in front of the Hollywood sign, he wasn't really talking that badly. He was just, you know, remarking old movies and, and mm-hmm. you know, doing, doing you know. But then when, a, but when he debuted. When he, he, well, and when he started that feud with Razor. Yeah. You yeah. know, that was, so to me, that's kind of it. And I can see where people would say, yeah, but it took another couple of years before it was really. But I really do think that that Goldust was. Oldest was the tipping point, though, yeah. That was, yeah. And then, you know, into, into 96, you have the Austin 316 promo and just right. the ball starts rolling, man. And we're off to the races. And I think, and we'll, we'll get into it a little deeper, but the early part of that, from 96 until probably the end of 98, to me, the Attitude Era jumps the shark in 99, but we'll get into that. Um, all right. Yep. So Aaron said he had did like a top a top six and a worst six. And 
I guess we'll kind of let that. If you want to, because my list really isn't very organized, Aaron. So if you want to, I didn't do a list per se. So if you want to start with, do you want to start with the good? Sure. And run down your thing there, and then we can kind of. I love lists. It's, <laughs> it's a hobby of mine. And I'll just start right at the top. Um, for You said you want me to do best first, right? Yeah, you can just, and you can run down all six of them. We can talk, you know. All right. Well, um, number one was during the Attitude Era, and it is something that doesn't even exist now, was everyone had something going on. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Very true. Like when the dude, when the music would hit and the dude would come out the shoot, he had a reason for coming out of the shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and it's gonna play into like a worse thing. He, that, that that's the thing too with my list is there's there's things that are the best of it, but it also is the worst of it. But like in the attitude, like Vince Rousseau and Ed Ferrara for everything that you want to say about those guys. And I know they had shitty ideas and they did hurt the business somewhat, but when they first got into it, man, they wanted to make sure that every single person on that roster had some reason for being on TV. If that You're right about that. Yeah. I mean, like Russo, Steve Blackman had a storyline going on. And, yeah, like, like, like Russo, Russo said it before that he would go to Vince's house and, I mean, take Vince Russo for what you want, but he said he'd go to Vince's house and he'd say, what's going on with Austin? What's going on with The Rock? What's going on with Foley? What's going on with Taker? And then maybe a fifth whatever in there. And everybody else, they would just they, – they'd have their list of 20 guys and they'd make sure something was going on with them. You know what I mean? Right, mm-hmm. right. And I think that, to its credit, that's what kind of made the hardcore title a good point of the Attitude Era too, Because there were 20 – like Aaron said, there were 20 guys trying to get that belt off of whoever the 24-7 hardcore champion was. So right, right there you had, you know, guys – right like today's 24-7 champion – it's a little fluky. If it wasn't for our truth, that thing wouldn't be as good as it is. But in the hardcore era, when we had it, everybody had some Crash Holly, Hardcore Holly, Stevie Richards. There were guys running around the arena having decent matches for that belt. Um, so, yes, to Russo's that, credit, he deserves that credit for that. And that's a good point. Like, I was trying, like, I was saying, like, if, if Mike Lockwood was around now, he'd just be on, he'd just be on 205 live right. and not have anything going on and he'd be wrestling with ricochet or fucking drew gulak right. every week and nobody would give a shit but vince Rousseau was like hey let's find something for crash the right. 24 the, the hardcore championship and and that hardcore championship had the potential to be really stupid mm-hmm. but right. they gave a guy something and he went with it and, and crash made that fucking thing entertaining and right. that that doesn't exist anymore. And I will I will touch on that a little bit on my one of my lists or one of my little bullet points here. But what was next on your uh... on my list? Yeah. Um. This is the only non WWF thing from the Attitude Era that I put, and it was the original NWO, mm-hmm. not like when it became like 50 guys. But the reason I put the original NWO on it is because the original NWO 
more than anything else forced Vince's hand. Yeah, well, and that is, okay, that is one of my, I'll kind of, I will mark off here one of my positives or my good things of the Attitude Era. And that's where I said that I didn't mention WCW a lot because I tried to stick to WWF, but I think you're kind of getting to the same thing I am here, Aaron, was during that era, because of the Monday Night War, the wrestling companies were doing their best and trying hard to keep us watching their show. They wanted, you know, like if I watch Raw today, I don't feel like Vince McMahon is trying to keep me as a viewer. Nope. You know, in, 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 in whether good or bad, and we'll get into some of the bad, whether good or bad, <coughs> if you watch a Raw or a Nitro from the, from the Monday Night War era, you can tell, again, whether it was crap or it was good, that wrestling company was trying to keep you as a viewer. Right. Watching that show for two hours every single week. I I agree. There's a, a show I watch on YouTube, Nate and Aaron, called uh, Reliving the War. And this guy scores Raw versus uh, Nitro, uh, you know, point for point. Mm-hmm. And now because at, at this point in the show that he's watching, Nitro went to two hours. Raw is still only one hour. But it gives an unopposed point. Like if Raw was starting, would he still keep watching Nitro or would he slip, flip over to Raw and watch the next hour of Raw. And that's what I think was what was good about it. It made you really want to pick and choose if you were going to keep watching or not on Monday nights. Or were you going to even watch Nitro or were you going to wait till the next morning on tape? And, right. You know, or, and then the best part about it was both companies would wait till the last 20 minutes of their show to tell you what was going to happen next week. So you'd want to be watching next week. Like, oh, we're going to have Macho Man versus the Giant on, on Nitro next week for the world title. Or mm-hmm. it's going to be Gold Dust, Gold Dust versus Razor for the Intercontinental title on Raw. And you'd go, as a kid, because we were all teenagers back then, we'd go, damn, I better be watching Raw, Raw and Nitro next week. Right. Now it's like they tell you in the first 10 minutes of Raw, oh, next week it's going to be Drew McIntyre in a rematch with Braun Strowman. And everybody goes, again? <laughs> and and see, the, the, like, one of the reasons I put that on my list is because um, – Eric Bischoff has said before that he was like, you know, riding his wave and I, and these things are reversed. So I'm just mm-hmm. prefacing that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but Bischoff said like he was riding his wave and then they did the Tyson thing and that made him go, whoa. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, gee, whoa. These guys are competition again. Yeah. Right. They're serious. <laughs> Yeah, like this shit's serious. I honestly think, and he'll never say it because Vince isn't that. He's he's a type A personality, so he'd never say something like this. I think when Hogan turned and became a bad guy, Vince McMahon was probably like, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. definitely. These guys are these guys are doing something." You know, like, like does that make sense? Like, I yeah. think, oh, definitely. I think Hogan turning. Was Bischoff's was Vince's Bischoff's Tyson moment? You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, okay, these guys, these guys are fucking. They're serious. Yeah, they're, they're they're thinking outside <laughs> the bun here. You know what I mean? Well, if you if you look at both companies, uh, Vince felt that Hogan couldn't get over anymore. Hulkamania had run its course, so he let him go. He went to WCW for two and a half years. They tried the Hulkamania stuff. It wasn't getting Hogan over anymore. Fans were booing. It was so what awful. did they do? They they turned Hogan heel. And baby baby face Hogan in WCW was awful. It was, it was like reliving 
the 80s, but worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was was like the 80s without cocaine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a really good, it was like a really good macaroni and cheese, but then you have to microwave it. So some of the noodles get all crunchy and yeah, it's, (laughs) that's a stupid analogy. I I had really good macaroni and cheese tonight. I'm sorry. Well, that's good. good. You got to give me the recipe then. (laughs) The flip side of things is. It was the Drew, it was the Drew McIntyre chin cheese. (laughs) (laughs) On the flip side, WCW. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. Threw Steve Austin on his ass when Hogan got there, and Austin was floundering, and now he gets to WWE. Vince finally lets him do what the hell he wants, and Austin becomes the megastar there. Yeah. So, like Aaron said, you got Austin and Tyson, which was the oh shit moment for Bischoff. Hogan turning to the NWO was definitely the oh shit moment for Vince. What's next on your list, Aaron, of positives from the Attitude Era? Um. It's two feuds in a row, and I know one of them is going to be on everybody's list, but I'm going to say Undertaker versus Kane. Mm-hmm. The first, the first, uh, the first incarnation. Of yeah, it. the first incarnation of that feud is up there with Hogan and Savage is one of the greatest stories that WWE ever Without told. A doubt. Yes, and they're still I mean, telling it to this day. And well, I was about to say, as the years go on. It it got a little convoluted. They 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 yeah, and, ignored and that, it. But that first and yes, you're absolutely right. That first initial Kane Undertaker, that, and that's what I'm. I was gonna say that was that first incarnation. And I know a lot of people think the Archful Dodger is full of shit, and he like rewrites history, and he probably does because he's been taught by Vince. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I I firmly believe that when um. Bruce talks about the angle and everything that he thought of. Like, I, I think Bruce Pritchard is being factual when he's saying, this is the idea I thought of. And it was great. And it was great. And then when Vince Rousseau got his hands on it, it just became kind of convoluted, mm-hmm. but the original like build up, and, and it's also, um, I'll give a little bit of leeway on the fact that it kind of got convoluted because I don't think they knew what they had when they had it, if that makes sense. And it was kind of like the same thing with the Undertaker. Like the Undertaker gimmick, folklore goes, that it was supposed to be a six-month thing and then Hogan beat him and then it would be done. Mm -hmm. I think that was the plan with Kane, honestly. I think the plan with Kane was that he comes in, Taker beats him, and then he's out. Mm-hmm. But then they realized, holy shit! Yeah, no, they they realized. That no, no pun intended. No, no pun intended. But this thing's on fire, you know. Right. Like, like people like this shit. So then it's like, oh, where do we go now? You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think if they knew it was going to be more than what it was, they would have had Tiger beat him like he did at WrestleMania. When they when they resur- as as time went on, I mean, you got to think this. <laughs> Undertaker and Kane's probably the longest story ever told in the history of wrestling. Oh, because definitely. Those, you know, those guys were intertwined for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, there were so many silly things they did. But there were also great things like when, when Undertaker returned at WrestleMania 20. You know, they would do things with Undertaker and Kane where they'd come back together. And then the Brothers of Destruction were cool. But if we're talking about just the, the Attitude Era, where they killed it for me was when they were like, oh, yeah, actually, The Undertaker set the fire. And right. Blah, like, that was Russo. That had Russo yeah, all over Yeah, Russo it. Like, it over. And it's like, fuck. What, that, that ruined it during the Attitude Era for me. 
But right. you know, they resurrected it and, and throughout throughout their, their intertwining careers and at times it was it was it became a captivating story again. You just had to forget that they ruined it by saying Undertaker burnt the house down. And WWE did too. After Rousseau left, they never mentioned that again. <laughs> They were nope. like, fuck that. He didn't burn the house down. Kane did. <laughs> the thing that made me love that storyline was up until then, The Undertaker was The Undertaker. He was unstoppable. He was unbeatable. He was this monstrous zombie wizard, you know, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. And then when Kane got there, it forced The Undertaker to become humanized because he had a family now. He had a, a younger brother who he thought was dead. He had, you know, Paul Bearer saying things about his family and showing their graves and. But then it wasn't just he was the Undertaker anymore. He was Mark Galloway. Mm-hmm. You know, he actually became a real person. And then as time went on, like they always say, he kept making that character different every time, but for the better. Right. You know what I mean? Like if Kane never showed up, we might have just had Dead Man Undertaker for 30 some odd years. Mm-hmm. Where with Kane coming in, we got Biker Undertaker, we got Cowboy Undertaker, we got, you know, back to being the regular Undertaker. And up until just recently with the Hall of Fame, the WWE's always called them brothers. They have never right. been un- nothing, anything more than brothers. Where you look at other storylines like Edge and Christian, after a little while it became, oh, they were just best friends who used to hang out and go to wrestling events together. You're, uh, I have to tell you, Archie, WWE missed, missed the opportunity for a great name there. You, Cowboy you, Undertaker? I, no, I had to write it down. Uh, Archie referred to Undertaker as a monstrous zombie wizard. That, well, that's that's. <laughs> well, when you think about it, he was yeah. dead. He was a dead. You know, I, just, I love that. I love tricks, it's the know? monstrous zombie wizard. Zombie wizard. <laughs> With his manager, the Yeti. <laughs> what was, and I know what's other story you were going to mention, Aaron. It's probably the one that I have on my good list too. Yeah. Um. So it was just Vince and Austin. Yes. Oh yeah. Vince. Steve Austin and Vince McMahon's feud. And I don't want to. Uh, I'll let you guys talk about it and expound on it some more. But that's why I was talking about the Attitude Era, starting with Brett pushing Vince on his ass, right? Because honestly, they tried it with Brett before they fully went with it with Austin. Yeah. Right. Like Vince and Brett was the first time that I know of that Vince was somewhat acknowledged as like a boss. Right. And the first time other than when he got hit with the chair in the flare piper thing, which was just a, a was was meant to be like a, a a fluke. Yeah. A fluke. You know, it was the first time that a wrestler was going at Vince saying, you know, you're fucking me, which Brett right. didn't say that until he pushed him on his ass, obviously. But that, I feel like that's what they were somewhat going for then, and they just mm-hmm. didn't completely do it. Right. But then they did with Steve, mm-hmm. and it, and and it and it worked out better that way. Like, well, there's no funny. way that there's no way Brett versus Austin or Brett versus Vince would have been as fucking phenomenal as. No, no, Brett, no, because Brett, Brett wouldn't not have went even that close. hard. Yeah, not Brett even wouldn't close. went that hard. He would have been too relaxed but, and too, you know. But yeah, Austin and Vince is. And how many other things during that era spawned off of that feud? Oh yeah, you know? yeah. 
It's just, they're still trying to recreate like, it to this day. Like we've discussed in the past on this show, and just a comparison, it's like it's like Tommy Dreamer and Raven in ECW. There were so many right. things that so many other feuds and other personalities and other possibilities, the possibilities, baby, that came out of that, you know, and so much stuff uh, spurned off of just Vince and Austin feuding with each other. Two guys would be involved in that thing. And then they wouldn't even be involved in that anymore. They'd be fighting each other. Like we don't give a shit about Vince and Austin anymore. Right. <laughs> and my my and I've I've said this plenty of times. And like I said, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it some more. But one of, <laughs> one of my favorite things out of the Austin um, McMahon feud was the first time Vince takes a stunner in Madison Square Garden, he is fucking paralyzed. Yep. He takes the goddamn stunner, and he is on the ground, and he is done. Okay, he was murdered, done. yeah. Like, they're taking him out. Like, it's like the fucking Kennedy assassination. He's fucking done. But by, like, 99, he's, like, taking a stunner... And then he just pops up, and he's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> he developed an immunity, or yeah, sort of an immunity, immunity to the, yeah. yeah, an immunity to the stunner. It's so fucking funny, and <sighs> and and like how to like nobody wrote. I shouldn't say nobody wrote that. That storyline was written, but nobody wrote. Oh, hey Vince, you're gonna go out and you're gonna save this, this, and this, and Steve, you say this, this, and this. No. Vince McMahon and Steve Austin are the greatest combination of people ever. Like Vince nobody needed to tell Steve and Vince what the fuck. No, and their their reactions to each other. Their, I mean, they are they are as good. And and I'll just say it: those two in the history of entertainment, those two are as good together as they're like Abbott and Costello. The Marx Brothers, Gene Wilder, and Richard Pryor. You guys get what I'm saying? Like these two oh, guys. Oh yeah, they worked together perfectly. These two guys went together, like Forrest Gump would say, like peas and carrots. Like yeah. they just peanut like, butter and was, jelly, man. Yes, they were meant and, to work together for over a year, two, three years. They were just they were meant to intertwine. They were meant to work together. And then when it was all said and done, Steve stunned his entire fucking family, and that was like the best. <laughs> Send off for the whole thing. It was <laughs> fucking great. I was only happy when he stunned Linda. <laughs> she deserved I mean, more than that. I, I mean, think of all the great moments that came out of it. Oh, yeah. Fucking the, uh, the, con- the concrete in the car, like when those windows blow up. And Vince's reaction. Uh. Or, um, um, or just Austin going, you ain't got the balls to fire me. I got balls the size of grapefruits, pal. <laughs> like just, <laughs> and then it became when he, when he kidnaps him. And when he, they're yeah, in that little room, the pop gun, yeah. Like, like the pop gun's great because he pisses himself, right? But, but <clears throat> the best part of the pop, like the bang three sixteen, is everything leading up to it. Like when he's just a, oh yeah, like met, like when he, when he fired him. No, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> The fuck out. And like Shaquille doesn't even leave. Yeah. He's like, fuck off, Vince. But when when he's just in the room with that's even funny too, because Steve got fired at break at that breakdown pay-per-view or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Vince is in his limo and he's like, This is mine now, mine. Or whatever. And then he shows up in the 
And, he, and he's got the firearm, and the cops are like, oh, you're Steve Austin. You're cool, man. And then he ends up signing like autographs for his kids. And the cops leave, and Vince is like, what the hell was that? Like, <laughs> and, and, and Patterson sees that, that Steve has a gun. And he's just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go get you coffee. Yeah, go get you coffee. And then Briscoe's like, Briscoe's like, Briscoe's like, I, I don't know where Pat's at with the coffee. <laughs> and then he's gonna leave to go find Pat with the coffee. And Shane's just like, I got a match. I, I gotta go. And they're all just fucking abandoning him. It's fucking <laughs> in weird. his in his wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, he's in that fucking wheelchair. Oh man, that's one of the best fucking raws ever. <laughs> What's next on your list? Um, <laughs> I wrote Blurred Lines. This is one of my favorite things. The Robin Thicke song? No. Oh. It's a good <laughs> song. And that video is awesome. This is those scantily, scantily clad women, which was something good about the Attitude Era as well. Yeah. No. Um, um, no um, defined baby faces or heels, like everybody has an ulterior motive in what they're doing. That would be on my bad list. Because I like like my pro wrestling to have baby faces and heels. I like a tweener when they stand out. A tweener should stand out. They shouldn't, everybody shouldn't be a tweener. That's just my personal opinion, but that's one of the things that I had on my bad list of the Attitude Era, was the Shades of Grey, because it, it's okay for a character or two to be a shade of gray, but for everybody to be a shade of gray, this is where we get, I'll, I'll get into it later with the negatives, but I, I can't, I, I don't, I don't see, I guess I don't see eye to eye on that one. I like, ba- I like to find baby faces and heels and rest. Well, I, while I agree with you, Nate, you are correct. The problem with the attitude era, and this is a bad part is the fans were really dictating who they wanted to cheer for. And they so, should. And they, they should. should, but... And, and that might... Oh, sorry, Archie. No, but I mean, you look at a guy like Kurt Angle. He was meant to come in as a babyface. He was meant to be an American hero. And one weekend, they were booing the shit out of him. You know what I mean? Until he, he enjoyed the boos, and then they cheered for him. Mm-hmm. So it, the, the fans, you know... I say this about the Daniel Bryan storylines, that they force him into title matches. and they Back then, and I'm I'm guilty of it, too. We all booed people we maybe shouldn't have booed, and we cheered people we shouldn't have cheered, and that maybe made Vince go, "Well, fuck it, let everybody do what they want." And that's that. That's kind of what I was getting at with the blurred lines thing. Was it's like okay, um, and that's why I said defined, like not necessarily saying okay, this guy's a bad guy. You gotta hate him. You know what I mean? Like in the eighties, and the eighties is great. Like when they brought in the million dollar man, okay, which was a great gimmick. He was projected automatically as you're supposed to hate this guy. Right. That's what I was trying to say with like the blurred the blurred lines thing is where let's let the people decide whether or not this is a heel or or a face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like right. if you would look, if you would look at the the character of, say, the Godfather, okay, the Godfather, on the surface, is a bad guy, right? He's a pimp, yeah. <laughs> it's a pimp, 
But let's let them go out there, and everybody's like, hey, yeah. He's bringing out the big titties, and there we, like that. That. we love hoes. Yeah. That was also yeah. that was that was also the United States in the late nineties. God, we were a, we were a, we were a horrible well uh, salt pillar of salt society. Until <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> those and until those buildings came down, it was yeah. fucking debauchery, man. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> to Aaron's credit, he's right because here, all right. Y'all remember the Al Snow Big Boss Man storyline? Yep. And Which was based Boss on a Mr. Fuji rib, by the way. Right. And then Boss Man feeds Al Snow his dog. Mm-hmm. And how much, I mean, I, I for one laughed hysterically at that and went, wow, that was awesome. When I shouldn't have because he just fed a man his dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that makes me a sick individual. We, we, won't, we won't get into it too deep, but let's be honest. Low-key, low low-key... The big boss man heel in the WWF Attitude Era is one of the greatest awesome. heels of yeah. all time. Yeah. It's a fucking prick. Like and he has see, no redeeming quality the one, whatsoever. That, that was the one dude that had no blurred lines. Mm-hmm. Well, no, like, he was with, a heel, but, but people were cheering for him. <laughs> no, no, they didn't, Arch. Whenever it went, those people were like, boo. Yeah, but fucking hated Ray Trailer. My point. Yeah, but my point is, though, he did a few things that, although on the surface were, like, cringeworthy, be like Big Show riding on his dad's coffin, you know what I mean? But <laughs> they were, see what I mean? Look, at look that that's exactly what nature I, did is what I, I did that. as a teenager. I, I went, oh, God, shit, what's man. going on here? You know? <laughs> it's like, and, they, and here's the thing. When they do a tribute to Ray Trailer, they always show that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what his claim to fame. He made a guy... Right off on his dad's coffin. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. What was next on your list, Aaron? <laughs> All right. This is my last best okay. attitude era. As um, the three faces of Foley. I will let that one That was a good burp, by the way. <laughs> that was like a Mick Foley burp. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know what? And he's on this. He's. I'll just go over one. One of the things that I have as one of the good things of the Attitude Era is the ascension of Austin, Rock, and Mick Foley. Agreed. So I'll just, I'll just group it all together, but I'll say this. As far as Mick goes at that time, and we talk about sometimes on the show how after he got his success and everything, yeah, Mick's a little full of himself, whatever, you know. He earned it. I mean, Glad fuck, he be, earned yes, it. Exactly. Um, uh, what, his ascension to main event status... And being one of the top guys in the business is is one of those things in wrestling. Like I always say, the one the the thing that makes me smile the most in in wrestling is to watch Eddie Guerrero. But to watch Mick Foley rise is also something that makes me smile because did a guy ever work harder to get where he got? You know, in in that era, I'm sure that fucking Harley Race worked super hard. But I'm just saying that in that era of wrestling. To watch Mick rise up and become a main eventer against even the promoter that promoted him to the main event. When Vince McMahon first laid his eyes yeah, on that's Mick what I was Foley, gonna, that's, that's like, what I was going to say. Where does this fat slob uh, work into my that, plans? That, right. That's what I was going to say was he got, and people can say what they want to say about him. He got the biggest wrestling fan. 
he got over with the biggest wrestling fan. Yes. In the world, Vince McMahon. He was he was the guy that should have never gotten over with Vince McMahon. Like, like if Vince, 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 about- Vince, Vince McMahon told Jim Ross, "I'm going to let you hire Mick Foley, so you can learn what it's like to be let down by people right, that right. you love." Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and then Mick Foley got himself so over that Vince McMahon was like, "Holy fuck." Where is this guy been? Yeah. Right. And that that's this flat ass toothless <laughs> maniac. Maniac is feckin' fan fucking fantastic. Right. Yes. And, and 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 we <laughs> talked about Vince and Austin. How great were how great was Mick and Vince together? It made Sako. <laughs> it, yeah. it 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 actually is the reason that he did the this is your life with the rock because he was he did, he brought that clown and all that to Vince first and then reused it against with the rock so yeah it, it's what made the hardcore title too Vince gave yeah. it to, to mankind Mick Foley to his credit paid his dues for years before he even had to whether it was putting the ring together, whether it was driving to shows that he wasn't even on just to be there in case they needed somebody, sleeping in his car, not eating correctly, you know, beating, being, getting his ass beat by Vader all over the world, you know, and Abdullah the Butcher and Van Hammer and everything in WCW. The torture he went through in ECW with Terry Funk and being burned. And then he gets to the WWF and there it's like he found the promised land. You know what I mean? It's like he was and, looking for the lost city of gold, and there it was. Because and say it and, all clicked. And say everything you want to say about um, the town of Dwayne Johnson, and I've said this plenty of times. Oh, definitely. That I that I think Dwayne Johnson is probably the most talented human being on the face of the planet. Because do I like all of his movies or anything? No. But that dude can do fucking anything that you want him to do. Right. But in the wrestling business, Dwayne Johnson wouldn't have become Dwayne Johnson without Mick Foley. Mick helped to bring him out of his shell. I agree with you. I think Mick really, when, when all the jokes that he used to do with The Rock in the Ring, well, just allowed The Rock to be putting the guy friendly. over, man. Right. Like, well, that, that too. Yeah. Like, but it, I mean, with, within the wrestling business, the Rock would not be The Rock if Mankind wasn't there. Nor Hunter. I agree. Uh, yeah. they, Mick, Mick, made know, Hunt, Mick made Hunter a bigger star than he could have ever imagined, I, too. And, I, and that's... and and, and I'm Sorry, that's why I was going to say I have, I have respect for Rock, because Rock admits it. Hunter doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wrong. Um... So, oh, go ahead, Archie. Well, no, just real quick. I made a statement to Mrs. Mitchell the other night. We were watching uh, Raw, and she said, wow, Randy Orton got old. And I said, well, he's the last of his class that came in with John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Batista. It was those four guys coming in from OVW. In that same regard, Foley, Austin, Rock, and Triple H all came up at that same time. They were the main four. And... Those four guys, to their credit, 
made WWE in the Attitude Era, with along, along with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, no discredit to them, and Bret Hart, but the established stars actually stood back and let these new up-and-comers take the, 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 you know, take the, the flag and run with it, you know, mm-hmm. take the ball. And thank God that they did because these guys really made WWF what it was during the Attitude Era. And if look they weren't what, there, we were with new, we were with the new generation. We were stuck with new generation and Mantar and TL Hopper. No disrespect to Tony Anthony, I happen to love him, but you know we were yeah, stuck with, with the plumber Thurman's gimmick. Rocky plug, the plumber gimmick, you know? not exactly flattering. And then um, speaking of like um, Wharton, and then if you don't mind, we can maybe take a break. Yeah, cool. But um, speaking of Orton, and we're talking about Foley, how much does fucking Edge and Randy Orton owe to Mick Foley? Oh, definitely. Oh, both absolutely. of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> both of them. And, <clears throat> and, and Foley learned that from Terry Funk. Terry Funk, yes. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know we're, we're, we're getting into the weeds, but, but Foley... Is a guy that did he get full of his own shit for a little bit? Yeah, and, and that's fine. But Foley is a guy that doesn't. How do I want to say it? Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I make Foley. I did this, this, and this. But he's not afraid to somewhat lose it to somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I like like Steve like okay, like like Steve Austin isn't gonna if you would ask Steve Austin tomorrow, hey, show up at this independent show and put this guy over. He ain't gonna do it. No. Mm-hmm. But you say, he hey Mick Brock Lesnar. We hey hey Mick, we got this guy that wants to that we want to do something with. Okay. I'll fucking lay down for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit. shit. <laughs> That's how Terry Funk was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and Mick learned that from Terry Funk because Terry Funk was willing to do that for him. And and that's, like I said, it's out in the weeds. <laughs> same with Foley. That, and also, like, the fucking Dude Love character was awesome. And and and, and Face Dude Love was fun. But Heel Dude Love was heel the dude coolest, love man. Was, yeah. heel, heel, heel Dude Love was fucking great. Before we take a break, let me run down just real quick because I have a, I I won't go into. I put the ascension of Austin Rock and Mankind. We we have dug into it. Austin McMahon. Sorry, um, my list was too long. I apologize. That, no, that's okay. Yeah. I just have I just have um two because I I had Austin Rock Mankind their ascension. Austin McMahon, yes. Uh, the promotions trying hard to keep fans was a great thing. So the two thing, or actually, I guess the three things that I have that we can elaborate on just a little bit before we take our break. And then we'll come back with the negatives of the attitude era. The first thing that I have not necessarily, and not that, not that the later version was bad, but the original degeneration X Hunter, Sean and China. God damn. And Rick 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 Rue. That was fun, fun television, especially for that time. Because like we've mentioned a couple of times before, this was something that we as wrestling fans back then, like we'd never seen anybody push the envelope like this. And yes, did Hunter and Sean shit on the business? 
yeah, Jim Cornette, they did. But you know what? <laughs> 16, 17-year-old me was laughing my fucking ass off because that was oh, fun, yeah. man. It was oh, fun. Yeah. Them playing strip poker in the middle of the match and fucking headbangers coming out. <laughs> and they beat the headbangers up at the little poker table. I did not sleep with that un- young intern. And as a matter of fact, we were up all night. Yeah, that presidential <laughs> is gold. And saying, like, oh, uh, between the hours of 9 and 10, he won't say shit. Fuck. Damn. <laughs> ass. Fuck. Sean's like, goddamn. I'm just like, watch your fucking mouth. And it's like, it just, you know. Oh, fuck me. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> or how about this? Nobody knows Canada like I knows Canada. Clint, he's like, got the Brett, Canadian Brett, flag up his nose. Brett, Brett even said that in that fucking sit down they did with Jim Ross. Brett was like, dude, they'll forgive you for screwing me in Canada, but they'll never forgive you for humping that flag. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Um, 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 what was I just thinking about? Like when Sean put the gauze in his trunk, like put the gauze in his underwear and was like doing the suck it in Jim Ross's face. Mm -hmm. So like he had big junk and he was like (laughs) in JR's face. Yeah. The fucking DX, they they were great. Um, um, when China got her breast done or whatever. Yeah. Was like, I had a nipple for every I mean, time. nickel. Nickel. Yeah. When, when fucking Shamrock, Shamrock puts Sean on Raw, oh. puts Sean in the, in the angle lock and he has that fucking lollipop in his mouth the entire <laughs> time. That is the biggest fuck you. Fuck you in the history of wrestling. <laughs> All right. The other two things that I have, one, and we kind of sort of elaborated on it with Mick and, and, and Triple H and Austin and Rock. The one thing the Attitude Era did well, and I will get into the undercards, some of the undercard stuff and what they did poorly in our next segment. But one thing that the Attitude Era did well, folks, you can never deny that as far as the top matches of that era with your Austins and your Undertakers, and your, your main events, they had epic main events during that era. Oh, yeah. Like no matter how no matter how the other how how the other programs went on the undercard or whatever, man, the main event matches were always kick ass, nonstop. They were can't miss. They were oh can't yeah, miss. absolutely. And if, and if you did miss them or forgot to record raw, you bitched and moaned. You were mm-hmm. like, "Damn it, what happened?" Or some of those pay per view main events, man. Like WrestleMania fifteen is my second least favorite WrestleMania. I don't like WrestleMania fifteen. To me, WrestleMania fifteen is 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 a four hour long Vince Rousseau fever dream, and it's it's not to me it's not WrestleMania quality until you get to that main event with Rock and Austin, and, and they and, bring the fucking house down. And that what what that was was like I was saying with Vince Rousseau saying that he'd go to Vince's house and Vince would be like, "What's going on with Rock? What's going on with Austin? What's going on with Mick?" That was. And I'm I wasn't there, obviously, so I don't know. But I guarantee that was Vince McMahon saying, Russo Ferrara, you guys can do whatever you want to do with this. Right. Mm-hmm. But Austin Rock won. But but, but no, it wasn't even his. He was saying, Vince Let them do their thing. Ed, you do what you want to do with that. Fucking Pat's booking the rest of Pat's booking yeah. Austin and Rock, yeah. Yeah, Pat that's Pat's. 
say the fuck. Like, you can come up with the how we get there, but Pat's going <laughs> to finish it. I have one more, and then we can take a break here. From the Attitude Era, another positive thing in the WWF. Not since the mid, at least 80s. Probably from 90, wait, let's say 98 until 2000 and eh, late 2001. Maybe WrestleMania 17. Let's say from 98 to WrestleMania 17. So about three years. The WWF had one of the best tag team rosters during the Attitude Era. I agree with that. You got the Dudleys. You got Edge and Christian. You got the New Age Outlaws. You got the Hardys. You've got APA. You've got Chuck and Billy. Fuck you if you don't like Chuck and Billy. That was a great tag team. Um, um, the, 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 the t- you, you missed one. Sorry. No, go ahead. I, you're gonna... I think... The fucking Hollies were a great tag team. Yeah, no, they, no, were. Yeah. they were. They had they had the best, the best tag team roster. Obviously, during that era, I think you can debate between. Even though I, I tend to lean toward the the eighties roster with the Heart Foundation and Demolition, the Killer Bees, the Bolsheviks, the you know what have you, but that that nineties, okay, the, in the Attitude Era. Here's where the the tag division was so important and so great. You had the we just talked about those great main event matches. That tag division, that was where your innovation was coming from. You know what I mean? That was where those were guys that were elevating, you know, those TLC matches and stuff and and we'll get into the negative of that in the next segment, but those were the guys that were elevating the business to what it was going to be in the next level. If there's one thing I complain about nowadays, is too many multi-man matches, six-man tag, eight-man tags, mm-hmm. uh, 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 tag team turnal, turmoil matches with 17 tag teams running in. In the Attitude Era, it was a little more acceptable because you had good tag teams, and these matches would actually go 30 or 40 minutes because they, they allowed these guys to actually... And there and they weren't on the weekly TV, and right. there weren't and there weren't four on every card. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it was to get to a number one contenders match, not just because Drake Maverick Maverick pissed off the AOP. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. it's not the same. Back then, it was well. Holly, the Hollies want to be one, number one contender, but like you said, uh, uh, ac- the acolytes say they're going to be number one contender. But guess what? The Hardys won the TLC match, so they're going to so well throw them all in one match. Let's see what happens. Right? Yeah, and here comes Teddy Long. <laughs> you know, you know, but but at least it made sense. There was mm-hmm. there was continuity, and when they they would get the number one contender, the other tag teams would fall in line, and then they would def- they would go after the belts afterwards. Mm-hmm. You didn't need another one the very next month and go. Okay, now we need another number one contender. You had a number one, number two, number five, number seven contender. Exactly. Nowadays, it's like every week is, well, we need to do number one contender. We'll put mm-hmm. five guys in a match. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Aaron, anything from you on the tag division before we take a break? No, I agree with you guys. All right. Well, we will take our break here on the show. And when we return, we'll talk about the negatives of the Attitude Era here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll be right back after this. Woo! Well, well, well. You can't wrestle. So what did you do? You went out there and you started a podcast. You got that right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and I am Brian Pillman Jr. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a podcast about wrestling and a bunch of guys that don't know how to do it. But I, Brian Pillman Jr., am very good at pro wrestling, so I don't need to start a podcast called the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but I'll gladly put my name on the brand. I'll gladly go on the line to say that the We Can't Wrestle podcast is one of the most informative, most balanced, non-biased podcasts out there. Thank you very much, and have a good listen. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Really quick, really quick, before we get back into the Attitude Era, talk about the negative of the Attitude Era this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Again, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you have not yet, please check out WrestleNet Radio. Um, there are, and, and we are one of them, we are two of them, we are three of them. There are millions of wrestling podcasts out there. Everybody's got wrestling. Every schlub in his basement with a microphone and a computer has a wrestling podcast. Now, will I say that they're better than this one? Probably not. But everybody's got a wrestling podcast. I don't think anybody, guys, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is doing a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week online wrestling radio station. So, that being said, check out WrestleNet Radio. The Facebook page is live, and you can download the app in the Google Play Store. Also, Aaron, I know you have a vested interest in this one. Check out Reliving the Extreme with Aaron, myself, and Chad Austin as we are reliving ECW. Now, this week's Reliving the Extreme, for those listeners of We Can't Wrestle podcast, eh, you may you may want to listen to it anyway. Aaron, here's what I've decided to do, because we're taking a two-week hiatus from actually doing show reviews, as Aaron and I have both had some things in our shoot jobs going on the past week or so, and on May 16th, and by the way, um, Mazel Tov, Chad Austin will be getting married. Oh, so, congratulations, Chad. We are taking a couple weeks off from doing reviews, but there will be shows. Now, this week's show is going to be the hour from last week's We Can't Wrestle podcast where Aaron asked Chad and I questions. Because it was off the rails. It was funny. It was the three of us doing what we do. So that will be featured. So if you want to re-listen to that hour of last time around's We Can't Wrestle podcast, you can. For the listeners of the uh, Reliving the Extreme that don't listen to their show, that'll be fun for them. Next week, and this is why it's next week, because I have to do some editing on this. I'm actually going to take some of our pre- and post-show conversations that we have and edit them up so you can hear some of the fun conversation we have off the air. No. For reliving. Oh, yeah, I'm going to edit, because there are some things that do not need to be heard by the public. (laughs) Nate Nate will be thrown (laughs) off the air. Don't do that. So that'll be something. it's 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 because of all of Nate's racist, yeah, anti-Semitic <laughs> comments that he says. <laughs> Mark for edit. All right. <laughs> and also, now I have, course, a, I have a bone to pick with ahead. you, though. Mm-hmm. You said that there's somebody doing a podcast in their basement. I do mine in my attic, okay? <laughs> That's all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, you should call your show The Diary of Archie Mitchell. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it would sound like the diarrhea of the mouth of Archie Mitchell. Oh, frankly, I don't think we could do that one. <laughs> um, 
But um, Archie also is uh, with along with me an admin in the asylum. Check out the asylum wrestling store.com. Um, big shows coming up. Uh, Lita Kelly Kelly this week. Yes, Kelly Kelly. Lita is coming up in the virtual Eric, asylum. Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. Uh, lots of big name talent coming to the virtual yes. asylum in the next few. Also, Kurt Angle is coming up. Kurt, yes, he is. Freaking Angle, people. You can meet Kurt Angle. And there's been rumor that he might do this meet and greet with a broken freaking neck. So <laughs> you never know. And you can also you can also purchase cello toys on there, which I'm very uh, excited about because um, I actually uh, just put the order in. La- I told David on Maximum Gold this week. I put the order in last week for my Dynamite Kid figure. Um, I got which, Dynamite the night it came out, and I got Hayabusa the night it came out. So and I'm, I'm very much, I'm, yes, and I'm very much looking forward to Bull Nakano because I'm a big yes. Bull Nakano fan, and there was never a female <coughs> Hasbro. They never I, made a female Hasbro. I agree, but my problem with it is, see, I probably won't get that one name. Mm-hmm. It to me, it looks like a Scott Steiner or a Mister Perfect Body with Bull Nakano's head on it, and I'm not saying wasn't that Bull Nakano? I'm not saying that Bull Nakano had you know she was muscular, she was a big woman, but I think they could have went a little more feminine with it because she did have some feminine features. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know I I. I and for the first female figure, I maybe would have liked a Miss Elizabeth or a Sherry. I'm just going to... Are you saying they should have put it like on like a Bam Bam Bigelow? No. <laughs> I'm no. going to buy... I'm gonna buy the bull because I'm a fanboy. I really like bull knock. Oh, I love bull knock. Knock 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 I like bull knock All right, Attitude Era. We are gonna get to the nitty gritty of the negative of the Attitude Era. And once again, Aaron, in this segment, I will let your list guide us, and I'll I'll knock stuff off of mine if I have bullet points that match yours or elaborate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Oh, uh, before that, before that, I'm sorry. I just, I was just gonna say, I didn't know I was fucking this dog on this situation. It was like <laughs> sure. your topic. We're just, we're just holding it. We're just holding okay. the head this time. But okay. do you want me to go through really quick the people that commented on your post you want to? on Facebook? Let's give, let's give the audience some participation, show, bro. You got two. Yes, you, you snag two All on right. this one. Nathan Roberts says the invasion angle. Nathan, you couldn't be more right. Um, what a mismanaged deal that was. Yeah. During and that the was, Attitude Era. Yeah, and that was kind of the end of the Attitude Era, honestly. That's what killed yeah. it. It, it could have continued it, but they didn't. So that's a, then, that would be on the worst. Ryan Damon had a couple of comments. He said, best Austin versus McMahon, which we discussed and he said, worst Austin saying what? That was fun at first. At first. And it got tired. And to this day, when I hear a crowd do the what chant, I cringe. Because <laughs> it makes me want, and I know we haven't had crowds in the last year, but I'm talking about, you know, past a year ago. Because that would make me wonder, does anybody know what they're actually chanting what for? Yeah, You know what not. I mean? Or are they just doing what they're told? Um, and then he also popped me on this one. Ryan, you popped me on this one, Ryan Damon. He did say one of the worst was three-minute matches, which that, you know, I, I, I have kind of sort of have some of that on my list. But <laughs> the one that popped me was he said, best three-minute test matches. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Good that on you, hideous, Brian. For that hideous down. big boot. Yeah. All right, Aaron, go ahead. Lead us through this. All right. Um, worst things that came out of the Attitude Era. Um, multiple title changes. Yes. I will agree with that. Yeah, titles titles lost their luster during the Attitude Era. Um, I would say, to be honest, and we're just talking WWF here because we're just talking WWF Attitude Era, the only title to me that did not lose its luster for some reason during that era, even though it changed more often than it had before, was the WWF world title. Like, that right. still always felt very important. And again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the main event matches being bomb and killer and awesome. Right. And having yeah, such a stacked roster, it made sense that the title changed hands. As a guy that prides myself on a, as a, and Aaron knows this, as a W, especially a WWF knowledge kind of historian, you know, knowing, being able to say, yeah, on this pay per view or this, this Raw or whatever this happened. Even I lose track of that fucking Intercontinental title during the attitude. Oh, God. I'm like, uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I think it was Val, then the Godfather. Right. Then Harvey Whippleman. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, yeah, what right. the fuck is yeah. going on? But, yeah. <laughs> Whoever's idea it was to put the Intercontinental title on Road Dog Jesse James and the hardcore title on Billy Gunn at the same time. Uh, Ass backwards. Shame on them. (laughs) And there you go for WrestleMania 15. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I totally agree. Too many title, too many title changes during the Attitude Era. Wasn't there a a night where like a title changed hands three times? Probably. It's a prop, bro. It's a prop, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Pat Patterson fought for it in Puerto Rico or... Where was it? Was it Puerto Rico? Rio de Janeiro. Janeiro. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Pat Patterson went to Puerto Rico for other reasons, Archie. Yes, yes, that's true. true. (laughs) And and you don't even want to know why he went to Thailand. Oh my! No, well, because of the lady boys. I won't. I won't even go into well banana. Remember, remember the movie The Hangover Part Two. You, you don't even want to know what Pat Patterson went into in Thailand. Well, I heard he's the reason they called it Bangkok. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move along. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go on now. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Nathan, for your contribute contributing Absolutely. to the and show. Thank you. Thank can, you can you imagine? Can you imagine a plane ride with Jim Barnett and Pat Patterson to Thailand? <laughs> oh god oh god and thank you Ryan talk about Nathan. a baloney blowout <laughs> <laughs> thank you Ryan and Nathan for being loyal listeners of the show I know those yes. guys listen on a regular basis and we appreciate you guys for your interaction and we're sorry that you had to hear <laughs> oh I'm sure they loved it they're going to listen to it and be like okay good they said something crazy because of what we, we brought up because <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was Nathan Roberts that made us watch that WCW Nitro that spurned the "It's New York Rules, bro." I think it might have been. I believe so, but I'm not sure. <laughs> what do you got next, Aaron? <laughs> um, this is the worst list. 
and it is that wins and losses don't matter. Yeah. And there you go. I actually have on my list of bullet points of things that I don't like about the Attitude Era was it began the era of 50-50 booking. And this is where I'm going to get to my overarching story at the end. Not the overarching story, but the overarching story. 50-50 booking mainly because of the fact that they decided to get rid of enhancement matches, get rid of jobber right. matches. Right. Um, everybody on the show is a superstar with music, but they get diminished as a superstar when everybody's a superstar, if that makes sense. Well, see, I agree with you there, Nate, but see, this is where I disagree with a lot of fans nowadays, and I'll, I would have fought on this point even back then. People think that just because a wrestler loses a match or two that it automatically means they're being buried. No. If you ha- if you go out and show that you can have a great 20 to 25-minute match with somebody and you come out on the losing end, guess what? You showed us you're an athlete. You showed us you're a superstar. Mm-hmm. You may bounce back in a couple, two, three weeks and get a win, but that 50-50 booking made it that it, it really didn't matter who won or lost because, okay, Test beat Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown. Guerrero got it, it went and beat Test on Raw, but then Guerrero was in a match with Benoit on SmackDown the next week, so it didn't matter who won the rubber match. Exactly. Yes, you and know? that and that's my point, that <sighs> old man screaming at Cloud, the magic man, John Majewski, would show me the two uh, old guys in the balcony at the Muppets right now. Right. But... That's where the Attitude Era, and that's why I say, and and I guess I'll just get into it now, and Aaron, as we go on through your list, I'll, I'll elaborate more. Vince Rousseau won, because, yes. because I, I'm going to say it right now, and I don't think, I, Archie might be the only one, Aaron's not going to. If David was here, he would probably disagree with me, or at least a little bit disagree. Okay, AEW is the afterbirth of the Attitude Era to the nth degree. As a wrestling promotion, guys, let's let's be honest. AEW is fucking terrible. It's terrible. anybody any it. anybody that looks at at, at and and I, well, I guess Aaron, I'm just talking about the evolution of the business. Okay, WWE now. I've, I'm kind of over it because it has eventually now evolved into what Vince always wanted it to be. It when he wanted his company to be a Fortune 500 mainstream entertainment company. That's what yep. it is. Yep. Raw and SmackDown. I'm just resigned to what they are. But AEW was supposed to be different. Instead, they're not. It is, it is the afterbirth of Vince Russo. And I know you don't watch it, Aaron. But what I'm saying is, it's. It, it is a it is it is a halfway decent sports entertainment company, but anybody that could look me in the face and tell me that AEW is a good wrestling company, no, could probably pass a poly poly uh, what a polygraph test because it's fucking awful. It's awful. They for, have this is where I disagree, and with I'm not you, saying it doesn't have its moments and well, it doesn't no, no, have its right. talent, it but the booking. Kid. Can I expound on what I was going to say on the topic that we're talking about? Well, this is, part of the, 
This is part of the topic because that's right. this is this is where I'm I'm getting with the attitude area. This is where fifty fifty booking got us. Yes, it's yeah, awful. Well, well, okay. Well, this is what I was gonna say. Like now, okay. I don't know all the players of the game, but who who's the 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 WWE champion is who? Bobby Lashley. Yes, Lashley on Raw and um, Roman. Roman on SmackDown, yeah, almost forgot. Right, let's let, let's <laughs> just use Bobby Lashley, okay? Bobby Lashley is going to wrestle um, Austin Theory. Right. Those are two people I know. Right. Austin Theory is going to wrestle Bobby Lashley for the WWF Championship on Raw this week. That could be a thing, right? Right. Okay. Imagine if you said, hey, on WWF's uh, Saturday Night's main event, Hulk Hogan is going to defend the WWF championship against Barry Horowitz. Would you guys believe it? No. No. Because Barry Horowitz is a fucking loser, right? Well, uh, not only that, that was not an enhancement talent that Hogan had to ever go through, so they wouldn't have ever... Well, uh, but, but, yeah. but just listen, yeah, he's a loser. But then you say, hey, on WWF Saturday Night's main event, Hulk Hogan... Mind you, it's Saturday Night's main event, it's not a pay-per-view. Hulk Hogan is going to defend the WWF championship against Haku. And yes. I can believe that because you can believe that because Haku because, had fucking victories on WWF superstars over people like Barry Horowitz and Dwayne Gill and and Israel Matas. <laughs> yeah, is what I'm saying Ooh. makes sense. Is, is yeah, what I'm saying. No, you're saying you're saying the exact same thing we were saying. It's when everybody's a superstar, everybody Nobody matters. And everybody can't be a superstar. You can have people rise above. Like, personally, I think, you know, Brock Lesnar, or I even say to a, to a certain extent, I would say Bobby Lashley or Drew McIntyre. Like, to me, those guys stick out. But they don't stick out like Hulk Hogan or Steve Austin or anybody like that that came through an era where wrestling was booked like again and 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 I know it's it's old man screaming at the clouds and blah 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 but baby faces and heels superstars and jobbers pro wrestling that what we have now isn't pro wrestling and that's why Vince Russo won because Vince Russo's style what he envisioned sports entertainment that's not fucking wrestling but what he envisioned sports entertainment to be actually won out in the long run, although it's not good. And let me just say for the record, <coughs> AEW, WWE, whoever, they can brag about their <clears throat> viewership. But right now, AEW has less viewers a week. They can say we had 1.2 million last week. But um, in 1991, 1. 1.2 million people watched fucking superstars of wrestling. Right. So I don't want to hear about morning. your... Yeah, I don't want to hear about your 1.2 million, you motherfuckers. But anyway, Aaron, next on your list. Oh, and, and and what we just talked about, 
enters into my next thing on my list. And it is the Attitude Era brought the end of the squash match. Yep. And that's what I just said. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Unless they're getting over a monster like Braun Strowman or when Ryback was coming in, uh, their squash matches were gone. Um, I mean, unless they wanted Scotty Tuhati to lose to, you know, like Prince Albert, then it was a squash match. Well, on the pro- long. That wasn't even a squash match because they both had an entrance. I'm talking well, about like no, I Bob know Cook. I'm right. talking about like Bob Cook and Rip Rogers. Not, I know Nate's gonna laugh because I said Rip Rogers, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like, no, I get what you're saying. Stand, like Rip Rogers and Bob Cook, those guys are carpenters. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean. Like, right? They they're gonna lose, but they're gonna make the guy that's supposed to be the guy look fan fucking tastic. Oh, of course, of course. Like, like if, if if you don't have a Bob Cook out there with fucking Marcus Alexander, goddamn Bagwell, Marcus talked, Bagwell would be Marcus Bagwell. You know what talked, I mean? We talked about the positive things of the Attitude Era uh, in the first segment, and folks, speaking of enhancement talent and and how they can not only carpenters, but also it gave those guys a chance to learn how to work that might rise up. Like what is what is one of the the more famous um, enhancement matches ever was when the British Bulldogs were in a tag team match against was it Les Thornton? Yeah, Tina Les with Thornton Mick Foley. And Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick right. Foley. Fucking Dynamite Kid almost took his fucking head off in that match. But you know what? A guy like Mick Foley learns something from that match. You go out and you know what? For the first few years of your career, pal, you're probably going to lose, lose, lose. That's why. Uh, let's run through some names here. Mason Ryan. Right. Give me some other ones. These guys that literally never had that experience. Like they were like six months in the business and they're on Monday Night Raw in let's a main event angle. You know, I'm just saying, like, as Tyler Rex. I mean, what about just, Wade Barrett? Wade Barrett didn't have any exposure to. Now, don't you, you know? shit on the good no, goddamn name no, 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 of Wade Barrett. No, 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 yeah, no, Wade Barrett. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm I afraid I've love, got some bad news. I, I you, to love Wade Barrett, and I think he is a fantastic commentator now. But they gave that young man way too much success too fast. Then they let him get shit on by John Cena and, and Randy Orton that he decided, you know what? I don't like this business anymore as a wrestler. I'm going to step out. So because they didn't let him go through enhancement talent and beat up jobbers for at least the first two or three months, and they had him immediately attacking John Cena on Raw with no endgame planned, it it cost him his career. And now he's a great commentator. I'm happy he's on NXT. I'm happy he was in the NWA for a little bit. But we missed out on a guy that could have been a world champion because Vince McMahon decided, you know what? We're going to let him get in there with the main eventers really quick. But then, um, you know what? John Cena's got to win. Randy Orton's got to win. The Undertaker's got to destroy him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I love The Undertaker, but he beat Bray Wyatt for no reason after losing to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Why couldn't he put Bray Wyatt over? Another victim of that 50-50 you know? booking, another victim of that 50-50 booking is um, Dolph Ziggler. Yes. Win because one, lose one. And Aaron, you tell me if you think I'm wrong, but if you would have dropped Dolph, if he was 
not a baby, <laughs> but if you if you were to drop Dolph into into say WCW in nineteen ninety two, that guy would have been Dangerous Alliance, a fucking super. He would have been stunning Steve Austin. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like, but because of fifty fifty booking. He's been one of the most consistently best workers in the right. WWE for almost 20 years, but he's been booked into oblivion. Like it, it, it's, it's almost sad. Like he's this fantastic talent that has been booked into they're, oblivion. They're and and he'll ne- lose. he'll it, never it, achieve the, name status that he deserves. The, the, and also on, how do I want to say this? Like, it, it's it's like yeah that happened to Dolph Ziggler but Dolph Ziggler when I was reading some stuff he's like in the top ten most paid guys in that company yeah you know so it's like why would he complain about it <laughs> and, well, and I'm not I, and that's what I'm getting at it's like. That is now like professional wrestlers now. I should say sports entertainers now aren't more worried about their push; they're just worried about the amount of money they make. Does that make? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I no, I, I, I agree. I agree. But you look at a guy like Dolph Ziggler. Right now, they're setting him to lo- setting him up to lose to Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Let's be honest with what's yeah. been going on on SmackDown. He is he is losing him and Bobby Roode lose every singles match or tag match to Dominic and Ray, and because they want to get the belts on the first father and son tag team of the modern era. In the same regard, though, if Dolph would have been in the Attitude Era, he probably would have been a pretty decent main eventer. You know, he wouldn't have been world champion seven times. And, 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 and see, that's okay. That's I, I I got my thought back. Like if you were talking about Dolph Ziggler. And and he's booked this way, booked that way. But he looks at okay, I'm making this amount of money. Because where the fuck else is Dolph Ziggler gonna go? Well, right, you know he's not mean? gonna go to impact. So, so Vince go. McMahon looks at it as this guy is happy because he's making this amount of money. Well, Dolph and Dolph Ziggler's looking at it, and, and and Dolph Ziggler's looking at it as I'm making this amount of money. I'm cool. You know, whereas somebody like a Randy Savage, I'm not saying Dolph Ziggler's on Randy Savage's level. I'm just saying this: Randy Savage would look, and this is where the the wins lost don't matter. Randy Savage, in his era, would look at I'm losing every week on TV. Okay, eventually this company is going to have no use for me anymore. Right. And I'm going to have to go somewhere else. And that company is going to look at me as you're the guy that lost every week on TV. Well, the see, what are we going to do with you? See, I Does recently, that make sense? No, I, I agree yeah. with you 100%. I recently listened to a shoot interview with one of the guys that I forgot who it was, was someone who got fired during the whole COVID crisis where they laid off like, you know, 40 people. And he said, the problem with the WWE is. If you ask for your release and they grant it to you, you have to put in a one month notice to before you could leave, you know. And for that one month, they're gonna job you out on television, hoping that you lose all credibility when you go to work to another company 
so that you won't make the same money, hoping you'll only sign a one-year deal there and then come back to the WWE. People who haven't had that happen to them go are guys like Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, who are the main Avengers on Raw right now. They both went to Impact after being in the independent scene for a little while. They made their money. They got bigger names. They became you know bigger in other companies. And then Vince had to pay them more when they wanted to come back. So, next, Aaron, on your list. Um, the end of sports-based storytelling. Damn. Our, our list on the bad is, here it is. My And what I have written down is frantic stories. Um. <coughs> Expound what you mean by that. I need to... Frantic, frantic well, storytelling. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was going to say, like, um, the Attitude Era ended the bet ended the the ah sorry the Attitude Era ended store sports based storylines and storytelling and like I put in my I like in parentheses to kind of jog my memory on it is like um, WrestleMania twelve okay. Right. Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. It wasn't a oh, Bret and Shawn had this feud, and Shawn um, put his balls in Bret's wife's face. You know, <laughs> right. these two guys were feuding, and they were feuding because I because they were going, "I'm the best wrestler." No, I'm the best wrestler. Okay. Okay. Well, we're gonna go an hour. Well, I'm gonna train this way. I'm gonna train that way, and mm-hmm. I don't hate this guy personally, but I think I'm a better wrestler than him. And we're gonna go in here and we're gonna have a wrestling match, and it's gonna be one on one. And who's the best of the best? It wasn't like okay, you know, I'm gonna hit this guy in the face with a chair. Which is exciting. Don't get me wrong, but right, but right. that's what I'm getting at is that when the Attitude Era, like Apex, it wasn't about that. If that makes sense, I didn't want to. Um, I agree, and 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 I guess this this comes back to my AEW is the afterbirth of the Attitude Era because when I write frantic stories, I am I am. Uh, it's a kind of a different approach, but I'm in the same I'm in the same wheelhouse as Aaron, in right. that I'm if I'm looking at and let's yes let's use Brett and Sean as as an example, okay? I did. <laughs> Always, I'm the best wrestler. I'm the best wrestler. No, I'm the best wrestler. Yeah, I may have a cockier attitude, or yeah, I may have a more, you know, athletic approach to it, but I'm the best wrestler. And then these two guys, for like a five-year period from 92 until Brett left the WWF in 97, who's the best wrestler? And it's always there in the background, and they're always competing, and it's about the championship, and it's about athleticism. Whereas, Whereas, and when I say frantic stories... And and Archie will be able to attest to this more than Aaron will because Aaron doesn't watch a lot of the modern product. 
Okay, AEW has existed for what, two years? Going on two years. Okay, in the grand scheme of things, tell me if I'm wrong. They have told 10 years worth of fucking stories in two years. Like, they have feuds that they call blood feuds or hot, hot rivalries, and they last a month and a half. Not even, not even two weeks. MJF (laughs) and Cody. MJF and Cody. That was less than a month. That should have been six months worth of feuds. No, with a real wrestling booker, that would have lasted two years. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm. And, and that's I'm, see, that's what bothers me. I said it during my first show on you know WrestleNet Radio mm-hmm. that Cody has microwave feuds. It's it's every two to three weeks he's in with somebody new. First it was MJF. Oh, first it was Jericho. Then it was MJF. And, and it's, then he moved on to Shaq. Now he's in with with the guy, the other guy that was with with QT Marshall. And it's, it's it's not it's not just him either. No, it's everybody. Bobby um, Lashley's going to finish with Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, and probably go on to somebody else, and it'll be there, for a month, and they'll move on. There's a reason that although he is probably probably their best performer, okay. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, wow. <laughs> there is a reason that AEW is never going to make a dime with Adam Page. Right. And why? Why? Because they heat them up and then they cool them off. Yep. And then they heat them up and they cool them off because they don't know how to tell a fucking story. And 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 that's just it. Like Aaron but said. But see, that's what I don't get, though. You've got someone like Dustin and Cody Rhodes, whose dad was a booker, and they were both alive when his dad when their dad was a booker. It's not like Dusty stopped Dustin, uh, when no. they were born. Brother. He was booking more. I'm going to tell you this right now. Okay, <laughs> you know Cody, Cody, and here's I know what you're getting at. Why don't they change this? First of all, Cody is living. Cody's cocky and arrogant, like his dad, right? And Cody's very much more. Cody's actually more his father than than Dustin is. I agree. Yes. Um. So Cody's all about Cody. Whatever else is going on, he doesn't care. That's why he's doing what he's doing. Dustin, and I promise you, I promise you, Dustin. <laughs> being old school is like, man, these checks are good. I'm just going to ride this pony till it dies. No, no, exactly. He's happy being on television. Being yeah, he's properly. looking at Cody and saying, hey, man, you're fucking the dog. I'm just holding his head. That's what I, but see, uh, but it's not just those two. Like, there are guys on that roster, like the big show, Paul White, who's been around wrestling now for th- almost 30 years. Paul Paul White. Christian, Christian Sting, Chris Jericho, DDP is is in and out of that company and helps yeah. every now and then when need be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Jake Roberts, Arn Anderson, none of these guys can say, "Hey kids, let us take the no, book and we'll no, handle no, no, it." No, 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 no. And and before we get, we'll jump back up back to our Attitude Era. But again, again, I think I've proven as I've guided this conversation is that it all Russo won, and that's AEW. That's the result. That was my point, but no, I agree. The I just I just wish Arn would take his his uh, his fake brother's lead and walk in the room and just go stop it. Right, only <laughs> used to do it and when they no, go no, what, and he goes all of it. Right. Just stop it. But but what I'm saying, guys, Anderson. Let me finish. Anderson, Roberts, Christian, Sting, uh, Dustin. Um, who else did we mention? Uh, Jericho, Holly Blanchard, Jericho. Blanchard. 
Here's why that's not happening. Because those guys are pro wrestlers. Mm-hmm. They're not stupid. They see a money mark. They see a money mark. Right. Tony Khan, who doesn't know jack fucking jackalope <clears throat> shit about pro wrestling. And they're going, they see, okay, this fucking idiot got a TV deal from these fucking idiots at TNT. They're all fucking idiots. None of them know anything about pro wrestling. But let's milk them for, for uh, fucking um, uh, lots of money until Vince McMahon puts them out of business, too. That's right. the reality okay. of the situation. Now, I agree with you. I understand exactly your point. But and we get to like have a vacation in Florida. But Vince at, doesn't. At, Vince doesn't. Okay, Vince doesn't look at AEW as competition. Why? How do you know that? Because he let Chris Jericho talk about AEW right, on, on his podcast. network. He doesn't give a fuck about AEW. They're not a but, threat to him. But hold on, though. <laughs> I I agree with everything you just said. I do. I am on board for everything you just said. I they're TNT and Tony Khan. AEW's child's fucks. play. There's child's play. But let's look at history and let's not let it repeat itself. When WCW went out of business because of Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon bought them, it took him forever to hire people from WCW that were actually mainstream, except for Booker T and Diamond Dallas Page. Mm-hmm. Everybody else he took were the low-level V and C players. Well, because they had they had Turner contracts. Yeah, but if he would have all, but you mean to tell me if he would have told Goldberg, look, I'll pay you your Turner contract plus an extra two million to come work for me, he wouldn't have ran. Or if he would have told Flair or Hogan that they wouldn't have ran. They came when their checks were finally, you know. No, they wouldn't have. The the reason the reason those guys didn't do it is because of what like Nate said is they're workers, they're carnies. Right, but they 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 weren't they weren't running to Vince because they didn't have to sign. Because they right. didn't they sign with they didn't sign with WCW. They signed they with signed Turner. Turner. Right. So Kevin Nash could have left millions of dollars on the table. No, if I'm not had if to Vince do anything. To, if Vince wanted to, after the first couple months, he could have said, "Hey, Kevin, you're getting you still got five million left on your contract. I'll pay you seven. Come to work for me." And Kevin would have went. My point is, if it's no, all I don't about think the money, Kevin would have. Kevin would have looked at it as I can work for Vince 325 days a year and make seven, or or I can make five and not do shit. Kevin Nash would have been like, fuck off. Well, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but my point is guys like Sting who know what it's like to forget about the contract, he went to TNA. They, they milked Dixie Carter for every dollar she had till that failed. Now they're in AEW. You've seen the writing on the wall before. You know what's going to happen at the end game. If Vince puts this company out of business and now Impact, because Impact is now in bed with AEW because of all the crossover shit. So is New Japan. So is the NWA. So is Mexico. All these companies have come together to make a con- conglomerate to have multi, you know, company matches. That's great. I love it. I actually like that. It's a throwback to the old territory days. But if AEW goes out of business, this time around, when Vince puts them out of business, they won't be able to go to the WWE and get a paycheck again. They'll have nowhere to go. So if you ruin your comp, if you ruin the company that's trying to be competition, is my point, this time around, 
you're not going to have Vince to fall back on later on when you decide, I'm done collecting my free money. I need to get some real money. And I'm not mm-hmm. just talking about Arn Anderson and Sting because they're past their prime. They're not going back to the WWE. They're going to retire and be done with wrestling once a- if AEW comes to an end. But younger guys that want a job, like Ortiz and 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 her, uh, the Hernandez. you know the two, her, what is it? It's uh, Ortiz no, and, not Hernandez. Uh, Santana, Santana, Santana and Ortiz <laughs> and Sammy Guevara and Jack Swagger and you know Jericho again because he's not leaving the wrestling company wrestling business for a while. When these guys are going to want a job after AEW is done, and Vince looks at them and goes, "Fuck no!" What are they going to do then? You know, yeah, the, so the, help build. T- Tony Tony Khan was the once in a lifetime, once in a generation money mark they had, and they're spoiling it. Right. <laughs> What's, right. hey, if you would have yeah. came to me and said, "Come join We Can't Wrestle podcast," and all I would have done while I was on this show was just sat quiet and went, "Yep, I agree. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, whatever." <laughs> and now I start my podcast or whatever, and I'm only promoting my stuff. And then you start WrestleNet Radio, and you're like, "No, I'm not going to bring Archie with me." I'd be up a shit. I'd be up Shit's Creek. Now I'm not saying right. I'm using you for anything, but if I would have been using no, you yeah. in that aspect, you and I get left behind. Now it's all for nothing. But because we all work together to build, we can't wrestle podcast. You, me, Aaron, Kyle, David, uh, Nate, uh, Nick, uh, John, Majewski. We all work to put something together. Now mm-hmm. we have this outlet to do something on and build on it because we all work together. Right. If you're not working together and it's all about the money, though, what happens when the boat sinks? Well, the exactly. Titanic. We all know how that story ended. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to be Leonardo DiCaprio holding on to the door. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> it's cold. Aaron, it's Aaron so cold. Drop. Aaron will be like, no, you, there's no room on this door. Get off. Get yeah. off, get off. I don't know where the doorknob went. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> Aaron, what was next on your list? <laughs> Uh, Crash TV. Oh God. Yep. Yeah. Stupid. Here's here's my here, and this is uh this is where you'll see this what is I'm, where, <laughs> well, this, I'll let this you I'll, where, let, I'll, I'll let you speak, Nate. But uh, this is where I was saying where um there was gonna be something that contradicted where I said everybody had something going on. Mm-hmm. Crash TV. This. Yeah. That. Listen. Listen to this. Yeah, listen to this. What I wrote down, and you'll say, "Yep." <laughs> Stupid stuff like Terry's miscarriage. Yeah, uh, there were yeah. multiple miscarriages in, in wrestling at that time. Yeah, yeah. Stacy Keebler had one in WCW too. Yeah, like who gives a you know? shit? This is pro wrestling, <laughs> and I know you have personal stories are one thing, you know. Uh, uh, Hulk Hogan, you got lust in your eyes. That's right. one thing. You know what right. I mean? But oh my God. And not only that, but Terry's miscarriage story. And I'm just using that one as a one of a thousand examples from this era. Right. That was what it lasted like a week and a half, two weeks, and then it was gone. Like they didn't even you have this this a big what you're trying to pro- pro- to portray as a big emotional storyline, and you spend all of two weeks on it. And then she goes off and brings in meat and Jacqueline and their pretty mean sisters. Mm-hmm. Like meat. That's what needed. That's, <laughs> so let me get. That's what a miscarriage made you go and do. You know what I mean? Like wow. You know, Jim Cornette said it best though. When you do storylines like that, you alienate your fans. 
Yes. Because people who have been through that scenario and may have may have had a miscarriage or dealt with losing a child then go and feel bad and are sitting there going, well, it's, what? is this funny? Is that supposed right. to be a joke? Yeah, you trivialized it. Yeah. You, know? you, know. you, trivialize, you trivialize their 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 trauma. And that's not cool either. Right. Um, but yes, I absolutely agree. Um, and that's not just Russo's fault. Bischoff was doing it too in mm-hmm. WCW because he wrote a book about it, Controversy Creates Cash. And mm-hmm. Bischoff felt that you know, if if he added a, just a little bit of drama into everything that didn't need it, it was going to make it big and boom. No, you are not going to get the same boom out of Hulk Hogan. You've got lust in your eyes in the 90s that you did in the 80s because it was different back then. Exactly. You know what I mean? You can't yep. re. You, you can only catch lightning in a bottle once. It's not going to happen twice. You mm-hmm. know? So. Or like the uh, the only other one I'll bring up real quick. As I call a crash TV storyline, and it it would have it it, it what do I want to say? This has no kind of it, it, the problem with it is it has no connotation in a wrestling storyline or an athletic competition. <clears throat> would be that whole beaver cleavage domestic yeah. abuse, you know that it's yeah. just it was so lame. It was fucking lame. Let's be honest. I don't want to watch pro wrestling. To watch something like that. Right. The, the epitome of Crash TV is, um, I don't, okay, I don't, I know you guys were talking about the, the, the beaver cleavage thing and all that. Um, GTV. Right. Never went anywhere. <laughs> GTV was Crash TV on fucking steroids. Like right, they do right. these little fucking things that made no fucking sense, and then it was just done. It was, yeah. it was done before it even started. That was the whole Crash, thing about it. Yeah, and, and 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 Crash TV was entirely Vince Rousseau's mindset of, oh, I have a fantastic idea. Let's do this with this guy. But what are you going to do after it? It doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I've heard so many stories during shoot interviews with wrestlers, Jim Cornette, Paul Heyman, that Ru- Russo literally used to just doodle in a pad and go, okay, this is my idea. And then when you, if you tried to read it yourself, you couldn't understand a damn word that he wrote down. And that's what I think GTV was. Yeah. That, that, that's know? what the Crash TV mindset was. Like, oh, these guys are going to have this altercation in this hallway or this restroom. Right. Well, okay, what are you going to do after that? Camera. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out next week. And then, and then they came don't. And you never heard about it. You never. GTV disappeared faster than any other storyline I can remember in the Attitude Era. Because but they, they kept had no going back game. to it. Right. It would, it would leave for two weeks and then pop back up and you'd be like, okay, who's behind this? And then nothing. Nothing. You know. Which, uh, Vince Russo really messed up wrestling, whether he wants to admit it or not. I have one more. Go ahead. Are you guys ready for it? Is Nate still around? Nate, are you here? Nate? I think Nate died. Oh, no. 
Oh, it's, no. crash, it's crash TV. GGV. GGV. <laughs> Nate, where Oof. did you go? Uh, I'm just listening to you two. Oh. So, um, so you were listening to, um, uh, um, Val Venus and Big no, Show. No, like I thought you were like listening, like listening to the song One, or um, where the streets have no name. <laughs> Lemon, lemon, um, <laughs> baby. What um, you said you were listening to you two. <laughs> How many more do you have there? Bro? I only have one more. Okay. And this is. And I have mine. one. I'm okay. sure that I have one that I'm going to go on a rant on that you don't have on yours. Right. This is my last um, one. All right. And then I'll let you do your rant, and I gotta, I gotta. Pimp out after this. Yeah, we got about ten minutes left before. Okay. You're gonna up. pimp out after. Like Charles Wright, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is my absolute, and I, and this is why I waited to say it because this is my my least favorite thing. That's come out of the Attitude Vince Russo era. Are you? And are you ready? Ready. It's the worked shoot promo slash. Ah. Uh. Fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate a work shoot promo program. If Fucking done correctly, it. it can be good. But if done too much, then yeah, it's overused and it's it's convoluted. I hate any type of angle where anything's projected as, oh, this shit's fake, and but this guy made me mad. I fucking hate that. I All fucking right. hate it. Guess what, guys? It's either what? real or it's fake. Take your pick. I was, I was wrong. What were you wrong about? Aaron did scoop my heat. Because <laughs> that was my answer. That was my last thing. There is nothing I hate more in, and I'm not going to call it pro wrestling, sports entertainment, than a work shoot. Because, like Aaron said, or was alluding to, all right, Archie? Yes? If I'm watching pro wrestling, mm -hmm. I'm just going to give you a match. Maybe something we've discussed. Mm -hmm. If I'm watching Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. Right. Should I be watching this match thinking these are two guys that are athletes that are competing for a championship and I'm going to suspend my disbelief or suspend my belief and believe that these two guys are two guys that are athletes that are competing for this championship. Or should I think, boy, these are two guys that are 
pretty decent athletes, but this is all scripted, so none of it really matters. So why am I even invested in it? Why do I care? So flip the coin. Right. And we're all going to land on, for these two hours, I want to suspend my disbelief. Right. I keep saying disbelief. I mean belief. Spend my belief that these two guys are competing for a championship and they're world-class athletes and this is a match. Right, right. However, and let me just plunk this down. In the middle of this show, where I'm supposed to believe at the end of this show, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock are two athletes competing for a championship in an athletic competition that is no less athletic than the NFL or the UFC or a boxing match. Right. There's going to be a guy that comes out that says, I don't want to do this because I don't agree with the script. Right. And this is where work shoots are complete shit because you cannot, you, you have one of two things. You have a work or you have a shoot. Right. You can't have a work shoot. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It's garbage. When Goldberg, and this is where I brought WCW into this thing, the worst work shoot ever was that Goldberg. Oh, I, that's the maddest I've ever been watching a wrestling show. Yep. Was Scott Hudson being like, I think he is, and I'm not saying I'm mad at Scott Hudson, because Scott Hudson was a good Scott Hudson was a good guy. In no way, in no way ever shape or form on this show, other than the case of maybe like really bad workers, are we shitting on the workers? It's it's the writers, it's the script, it's the bookers. It's but the- Scott Hudson and Tony Schiavone have to sit there and be like, I think Goldberg oh Goldberg has 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 went away from the script. That's that's the that's the biggest fucking you guys black guy not, in the history of professional wrestling. Ever. You guys could say that that you're not going to blame Scott Hudson, but Shivani is the worst when it comes to talking about like a shoot and putting it over. And like you said, you know, I think Goldberg Shivani was strict. doing what he was doing. Yeah, but he was Shivani, doing what he was but, told to do. Okay, all right. CM Punk drops the pipe bomb promo. It's still to this day people question, was it planned? Was it not? Was it really a shoot? Was it work? And the announcers didn't say a word. The following week when he came out and he had the bullhorn, that's when they finally said something. And they didn't say, I think CM Punk went off the script. They said CM Punk is is disgruntled and he is letting out all of his his, his anger at Vince McMahon and WWE. Yes, and if you listen to the pipe bomb, he never once alludes to the fact that pro wrestling is fake. Right, right. He's just alluding to the fact that WWE is putting their marketing machine behind John Cena. Right, and instead that he needs of to go work somewhere else. Whereas right. when you use the word script right. on a pro wrestling program, now it's, you it's just shit fake. on it. Because right. everything I've seen before that and everything I see after that is fake now. I, I no longer have to take it as a real competition. Can you imagine if during a movie they did, like you're watching, I I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a movie, Ghostbusters, and all of a sudden Dan Aykroyd turns to the screen, to the the camera and goes, I hate this script. And then they cut to another scene in the movie. Yeah, where he's like, like, "Uh, Slimer's just CGI. Right, 
Right. Well, okay. Let 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 let's put it into a wrestling con uh, a wrestling aspect. We were talking about um, the greatest things in wrestling or the Attitude Era. Imagine if Steve Austin, okay, would have walked out, looked at Vince McMahon, and said, "Hey, Vince." I don't like the storyline you wrote for me. Right. So I'm going to beat you up now. Right. It wouldn't have fucking worked. Or if tonight they came, because he walked into the arena and they said, hey, by the way, tonight you're losing to Goldberg. He would have walked out to the ring and went, uh, not Goldberg, you're losing to Brock Lesnar. He would have walked out to the ring and went, I'm not losing to Brock Lesnar. You can't tell me that that's what the script says. And then walked out and didn't show his face for six months. What sense would that have made? You can't do that. The word no. script, fake, uh, work, and shoot should never be uttered on a television screen during wrestling. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, he, he went off script. No, there is no script to me. I don't need to know there's a script. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And that's what where we are in this day and age that we've got guys that say that constantly. You know, even a, the only one that I see that actually stays in character constantly anymore is MJF. Mm-hmm. Morning, noon, and night, that little son of a bitch is playing his part. Even on, even on his Twitter, even, even on, on his Twitter. Facebook. Right. And, and yeah, even I mean, Cameo. You know what he charges even, for Cameo? Five hundred dollars. Is it really? Is it really? MJF will charge you five hundred dollars for a cameo, and then probably tell you to go go eat shit because that's what he's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> so you're spending five hundred to hear your professional wrestler that you like tell you you're a punk, you're a bitch, you're this, you're that. But yes, but, work work shoots are the worst thing in the history bad. of of pro bad. wrestling slash sports entertainment because. The, the entire premise of the whole thing is that we are sus- to suspend our belief that this for these two hours, these guys are fighting as a sport for championships. And right. then, yeah, Aaron, you're absolutely right. It's, I hate work shoots. Like, I never, I never watched one and went, wow, that's intriguing. That's great television. Right. Blah, no. blah, blah. Like this or, is stupid. The word, the word, the words, <laughs> the words. I want to see what's going to happen next. Have never followed a work shoot. Mm-mm. I've always wondered why the fuck did they do that. I love you a know? work. Like I love a work, and well, I, I love, love a shoot. shoot. But they did. The they two shall not mix. love a work shoot. Right? No, no. You can, you can, you could give me two hours of of uh, <laughs> not. <laughs> Not nowadays. I only watch ninety minutes. But you, <laughs> right. you can give me two hours of Monday Night Raw, and then if you want to have as an option for me to watch on YouTube or something, an hour later, a uh, a show of those wrestlers or those performers talking about the show in a shoot form outside of the show, I'd be willing to accept that. I don't know. And that's not even what I'm saying with a shoot. Like, I don't want to say it. Like, 
I can watch a shoot on a wrestling show and know it's not a work, if that makes sense. Like, the... Like, okay, I'll say it this way, and then I'll be... And then I'll shut up. Like, Roddy Piper, when Vince McMahon was making him work with Mr. T... Right. Roddy Piper wasn't doing a work shoot. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, everything he said was Roddy true. Roddy Piper exactly. was shooting on Mr. T. Right. Yeah. Like he was like, "You're a you're a nappy headed motherfucker," and I don't, you can edit out nappy headed motherfucker. Yeah, but Piper like, said it. Yeah, this Piper. Is, this is, Piper. Yeah. Piper was shooting. <laughs> Piper was shooting on on the on the fact that he did not to work with Mr. T. Right. Like he wasn't like, oh, I like you, T. But let's go out there and work together and I'm gonna do like a work shoot with you. No, he was like, motherfucker, I hate your black ass. I don't want to work with you. Mm-hmm. You're a piece care. of shit. I don't and care. I don't you like you mama. being in my business. You know what I mean? Like he was he was shooting on Mr. T. Yeah. Like he should have. Like a wrestler should have. When but a boxer fucking, or a- you know, when a boxer or an actor or a, a another sport type, you know, a football player, baseball player come into the wrestling ring and want to challenge a wrestler, they should be shooting on them because you don't belong in my world. The same way if Vince McMahon walked onto a baseball field and said, I'm going to hit a home run, the pitcher should throw the ball directly at Vince McMahon's head, in my opinion. Because you the, don't belong in my on my baseball the, but, the but like what you were talking about, Arch, like I was saying, like Piper was was shooting on Mr. He wasn't T. holding back. He wasn't holding back. And maybe at the but, end of but, WrestleMania but he when, said I'm sorry. But when but, Roddy when Roddy went to TNA and was cutting that promo on Vince Rousseau, he was work shooting well, on right, Vince well, Right. Right, they knew. That's why I don't Russo like it. knew exactly what he was going to say that night. Exactly. The be- the best example of working a shoot <laughs> into a work is something Aaron alluded to earlier, and we'll wrap up on this because work shoots are garbage. All right, but I guess I'll say we'll reverse the word and say shoot work. All right. The best example of it is, and the the best way it was ever done to me personally was the end of that cage match between Brett and Sid. Because Brett let out his frustrations at the promotion. Right, stacking the odds against him as an athletic competitor. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Like this promotion, this promotion's not letting me win. He's not saying the script is fucked up. He's not right. saying you're fucking me in the writing room, Vince. He's saying you're sending the Undertaker out here behind my back. Or you're you're stacking the odd, odds against me. That's the 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 farthest you should ever go with something like that. Like right. I can understand an athlete and a promoter 
being at odds. Oh, definitely. But you dropped the word script. You fucking lost me, buddy. <laughs> You're done. We're done. I'm I done. I can't believe that you wrote me to lose this match. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that that the end of that vent the end of that cage match on that raw was probably the best of that type of thing ever done. It was written to yes, cause some controversy, yes, to kind of bring up the backstage quote unquote politics, et cetera, et cetera. But you still had the air of this is this was still an athletic competition. But the wrestler thinks the promoter is trying to screw him over by sending other wrestlers out or stacking the odds against him. You know, it wasn't um, like you like we alluded to earlier with Goldberg and all that. Mm -hmm. I don't think Goldberg's going with the script here at that moment. You fucking lost me and you killed the fucking business. And now it'd be like Al Pacino being mad at. Francis Ford Coppola for booking the end of the movie because I'm that that I'm gonna you know lose in the end. Yeah, and that is where I'll say this, and we'll end on this. That is why I say to all the, the to all the people that would comment on any of my posts that I just don't get Orange Cassidy. That I'm just past my prime. That I just don't understand modern, don't you dare fucking call it professional wrestling. That I don't just, I just don't understand modern sports entertainment. Go fuck yourself, okay? Because if this was professional wrestling, it would be portrayed as a real fight. Wrong or right? 100% right. Well, like, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, I don't and, know who was talking smack I, to you. Am I, I don't ever? Talking, I don't know who's talking smack to you, but if Orange Cassidy, the character, okay, if Orange Cassidy, I'll never disparage Orange Cassidy. Orn, Orn, I'll Orn, never Orange Cassidy. I'll Orn never Cassidy. disparage Orange Cassidy as a guy, as a person, because I don't fucking know him. He could be the nicest guy in the world, but he's not a professional wrestler because if you are going to tell me that this guy is going to stand there with his hands in his pockets and do a flip against, say, Pac, he's going to do a flip and then Pac is going to sell that kick to the shins shit. That's not pro wrestling. You can argue with me till I am blue in the face or you are blue in the face that wrestling has evolved. That's not wrestling. It's fucking stupid. It's well, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know how we got on this tangent. I was just going to say, if you take Orin Cassidy, as you call him, if he would take Orange Cassidy and say, hey, um, on AEW Dynamite tonight, we're going to watch Orange Cassidy versus Haku. <laughs> Six seconds. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> we're going we're, we're, we're to take Orange Cassidy tonight, and we're going to put him in a match with... 
Yeah. Harley Race. Harley Race. Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Orange. We're going to take a match tonight with um, um, who's the guy that's the teammate with Trent? Chucky? Chuck T? Chuck Taylor. Mm-hmm. Tonight, Chuck Taylor is going to face Kurt Angle. <laughs> That's probably going to happen eventually. Eventually, yes. But we're going to take Chuck Taylor, and he's going to go one-on-one with... Brutus Beefcake. No. <laughs> it would be... It would be... It would be like... If Chuck Taylor and Brutus Beefcake were going to wrestle each other, oh, it would be God. like... When, it would be like when Harpo Marx and Groucho <laughs> Marx were doing the mirror thing. <laughs> like, it would be very similar. I was going to say it would be like, Chuck Taylor tonight is going to face Stan Hansen. Greg Valentine. Greg Valentine. Or, and Nate, you're going to be mad, but you're going to be able to agree with me. Okay, tonight, Chuck Taylor is going to face Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, fuck Chuck Taylor. But Ronnie Garvin is going to fuck Chuck Taylor up. But there's also... These are are men. They're men. These wrestlers now are not men. Listen, Aaron. There is a distinct... And you, you'll know what I'm saying when I say this. There is an absolute, distinct, utter difference between my disdain for Ronnie Garvin and my disdain for Kenny Omega. Okay, well, yeah, well, that's what because I, I, I don't like Ronnie Garvin. Like he doesn't entertain me. He doesn't. But he'll fuck you interest. up. Well, not just that, but I respect him. Like I, I just I'm I'm not a fan of his stuff, but I respect him. He was a badass professional wrestler. I will never like if somebody says to me, I'm a Ronnie Garvin fan, Nate, I'll be like, Okay, I disagree, but I can see it, you know? Like that's cool. But if somebody says, I'm a Kenny Omega fan, Nate, I'll be like, What the fuck is wrong with you? Is that <laughs> that, what that's you all about me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> The truth finally comes out. I love you, Archie, but what I the fuck is too. wrong with you? Hey, hey, he had good matches with Okada, okay? It's not my fault. Okada had good matches with him. Yes. You know how they said uh, Flair could wrestle a broomstick? Right. Yeah. Well, so Kenny can Omega Okada. Actually, yeah. Kenny Omega, Omega can, can sit on one. Okada, right. Okada, Okada can ev- uh, 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 apparently wrestle a Swiffer mop because he... Uh, he did a great job carrying Kenny Omega to a few after, really good matches. After this last couple of weeks of, of Dynamite, I have to say, Nate, I agree with you. Omega's well, matches knew, have been horrible. I he put on a good match with Rich Swan, but that was because of Rich Swan and, and Impact Wrestling. That had nothing to do with Kenny. I knew that was going to happen when Kenny came to to America. Yeah. Like, did, he, did, did he smack that guy and then just be like, stop looking at me, Swan? <laughs> <laughs> Rich one's really good, though. Shampoo goes on first. Conditional makes the hair look silky and smooth. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Rich one is really good. And I believe that Impact devalued their championship by allowing a non-company guy to come in and just beat the guy who's held the title for six months. Yeah. It would have been better ending in a disqualification or a countout or something so he didn't have to lose the title. But that's fine. They want Kenny to hold all the titles. And when that blows up in their face, they won't know what to do. That's fine. Um, yeah. I find it ironic, though, 
that Nick Aldis, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, has gone on record to say, fuck no, I ain't going on to AEW or Impact Wrestling. I'm staying in the NWA. Good for him. Because he doesn't want to Nick diminish Aldis the title. Is a man. He Nick Aldis. I'm going to say this, and then I got to check out. We'll sign off when you're done. All right. Well, NWA is the best wrestling show on Without TV. a doubt. Without a doubt. I would say for me, it's um, yeah, it's NWA and NXT are the only two shows I watch in entirety every week. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's NWA, definitely NXT and MLW is slowly catching my interest again, and they just got to deal with Vice TV. So mm-hmm. now that they're on tel- actual television, you know, it's it's funny because I watched MLW religiously for a while until the pandemic put them off and I haven't got right. to, I haven't really watched it since they came back it's, up. So it's been good. They they're starting to tie in Lucha underground though. And it's a little weird. Yeah, um, I don't like that idea. Yeah. But I think it's going to add to the roster once they get on actual televised TV, mm-hmm. but it's just, my opinion is if you want to keep me entertained for an hour, you can, because I actually, I have an hour, you know, of paying attention. If you want me for two hours, then be like, NXT and keep me invested. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to want me to sit there for three hours or two hours for bad television, guess what? Uh, I'm going to fast forward or I'm going to Hulu you because I can't I can't do it. All right, guys. Well, we have summed up the attitude error and I think I proved my point that Vince Russo won and uh, his garbage is what dominates most of television in wrestling nowadays. But that being said, Aaron Archie Thank you for joining me once again this week. Thank you for having us. And everybody, we will see you again next time around for the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And check out WrestleNet Radio, because if you don't, you're missing out. We'll see you next week, everybody. We Can't Wrestle Network. (laughs) WrestleNet Radio. Check it out.